0: HD Smartcast.
1: You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD
2: Smartcast. Hello and welcome to Mint Dialogues, a weekly podcast where we focus on the big questions in personal finance and investing. My name is Neil Borate, and I head the personal finance team at Mint. I will be your host for this podcast. The podcast is a mint production and is available on htsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Hello everyone and welcome to what is a very exciting discussion on IPO investing in the middle of IPO season with um, companies like Zomato going for IPO. Apart from the panel members who will be introduced in the subsequent session, we had some industry executives join us rather unexpectedly but much to our delight. So we had Anish Telly who is managing partner at QED Capital Advisors and we had Srinivas Jain who is executive director at SBI Mutual Fund. Apart from uh, certain parts of the discussion like VIO questions which we have not Uh, included in this recording, in the interest of brevity, you will get to listen to what is an extremely interesting and exciting discussion on whether you should invest in IPOs. So sit back and enjoy. Thank you. It is seven o'clock as per my watch. So without further ado, I will just quickly introduce the panel and then we can get get, uh, right into it. Uh, so we have Rupali Prabhu, who is Chief Investment Officer at Sanctum Wealth Management. We have Rahul Goel, CEO, Equity Master. Aditya Kondavar, CEO, JST Investments. Niranja Navasti, Head Product Marketing and Digital Business as, at Edelweiss Wealth Management. And uh, we have my colleague, Abhinav Kaul as well. So welcome everyone to the panel and to this discussion uh, on what is probably the most exciting topic in the market right now. Um, I didn't want to get into any specific IPOs, but uh, since I think Zomato is on top of everybody's minds, let me ask a somewhat uh, ancillary question to the main uh, action that's going on. And uh, so there is this uh, quite viral, I think, uh, social media forward where um, the employees of Zomato have applied for a small fraction of uh, the quota that's available to them everybody else has applied in several multiples of what is on offer. So, is that an indicator? Aditya, do you want to uh, venture uh, an answer on that?
3: Sure, Neil. So, uh, definitely, uh, I mean, the only category that has uh, seen uh, less than 100% subscription was uh, the employee category, right? And I mean, mean, a lot of people have been sending that image uh, on all WhatsApp groups or Twitter or the likes of social media, right? And they've been saying that the biggest insiders of the company are aren't really applying with full force and here we have uh, retail QIB, and HI is applying with full force. Uh, but one more thing could be that you know a lot of people would have uh, vested their options uh, maybe a quarter or two quarters back because you know Zomato planning its IPO has been uh, I mean the news has been uh, going around for a lot of time now. and even if you see the DRHP, uh, you see that the share capital has increased uh, a lot of options have been vested. And uh, I mean, yeah, I think it makes sense. Uh, it was a fifty crore uh, allocation that the company had kept for its employees, but uh, yeah, uh, most of them would have invested it before. And of course, you know, uh, being being a new age company, being a platform company, and uh, being one of the major startups to get listed on the exchanges, uh, I believe the kind of uh, you know the response that they got it was just amazing. And uh, also, Zomato is a household name now, right? I mean, everyone knows about Zomato and uh, it's a consumer company in the minds of consumers. Uh, India is a young country. So I believe that also helped a lot. So, yeah, and that's about it from my side. Interesting. So you're
2: saying that uh, the employees would have already exercised their stock options. That's probably one reason. Yeah. Uh, anybody else want to venture an answer on this? Is this a sign? yeah of
1: course it's a uh, it's a it's definitely a sign right uh, even uh, you know if the options are vested great you know wonderful let them make all the money but the fact is that uh, even a small allocation was not picked up so i'll just share some data with you earlier today in anticipation of this chat on clubhouse i did a quick poll on our telegram channel right so it's about 400 votes so it's a r- relatively valid data set so I asked a question, are you investing in the Zomato IPO? Right? Guess what? On the Equity Master Telegram channel, 64% said no. Okay? And then I asked, if you're investing in the IPO, why are you investing? About half of them said for listing day gains. Only one third said for long-term gains. So, you know, ah. yeah, so so a lot of the interest, see, it, it all goes back to allocation, right? If you've got play money, Go bet on it, and you know probably make money on the listing day or a few days after that. But uh, if you're a solid long-term investor, the fact that the employees
2: are not buying is a sign, right? And uh, yeah, so yeah, Ravel, that was actually my first question. How do you know that there will be a listing pop or not? I mean, is there a set of metrics that you can uh, look at and say, you know, okay, maybe the subscription numbers, and therefore it's going to rise enormously on the first day. So
1: I have the perfect, 100% proven, accurate answer for that. Do you want it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Take out a coin and flip it. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> there is no other
2: way to know it. No matter what anyone tells you, okay. there's no other way. <laughs> so despite, despite uh, the figures of uh, the number of subscriptions, all the media hype, There is no way to predict if it will jump on the first day or not. No. Uh,
1: You remember Reliance Power? Uh, It did go up a bit. It did go up a bit. But after that, it fell by two-thirds or something within the next few months. Mm. So, And it was in those days, 2008, the mobilization, and I hope someone can correct me on this call, uh, was 10 lakh crores was the value of money that went in for subscriptions. The amount of money you know chasing is no indicator that uh, you're going to make listing day gains if you're doing it for, if you're punting it's fine right it's part of the game but if you are entering assuming that this is the big deal this is the ultimate proof you need you know you need to be invested i don't think that's a great approach to invest in an ipo <laughs> i may be wrong but what
4: do i know right
2: niranjan uh, i thought you wanted to come in on that
4: See, broadly uh, you know <clears throat> And we, we did some analysis uh, while, you know, framing the strategy of our the recently listed IPO fund. Uh, Niranjan, actually,
2: can you please, uh, spend two minutes explaining to people what this fund is and how it invests? Oh, sure.
4: Yeah, sure, sure. So basically, this is a fund which we had launched three years back. Uh, it was known as Made in Opportunities Fund. And it was basically a thought which we gave, uh, there is a need for a solution where, investors who are looking to invest in ipos not for listing gains but to access these companies which are new in the sector uh, you know they are really really uh, good companies which are comp- uh, coming into various sectors like last 3 years we have seen sectors like uh, you know amcs mutual funds insurance cards business uh, very complex generic pharma companies and so on are coming into market uh, but retail investors are not able to get access or do their own research and benefit out of these compounding businesses either in their own portfolios or either in you know a diversified mutual fund so they don't get meaningful allocation and with this thought we started this
2: but, uh, if i could play devil's advocate on that so sure. another sure. very viral uh, piece of information that's going around social media is the mutual yeah. funds which have applied for the zomato yeah. ipo as anchor investors right. Showing right. one dividend yield fund, and everybody is uh, <laughs> you,
1: you, you. can name the fund if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, right, it's the public absolutely. knowledge. So it's ICICI yeah. dividend um, yield. Yeah.
2: Right, right, right. So you said that it's it's difficult to get access through diversified equity funds, but yeah. here are the mutual funds who are busy applying. So, so I
4: mean, no, that is true, but you know, uh, when we analyze and. Uh, If you see a normal multi-cap or uh, any flexi-cap fund or even our own diversified equity fund, it will always be, uh, you know, in line with the benchmark. The active bets will be maybe 30, 40, 50% in relation to benchmark. If you see any mutual fund today, a diversified normal mutual fund will have allocation 30, 40% to financials, will have maybe 10, 12% into uh, tech. Uh, It may not be too away from the benchmark. So in these kind of funds, how much meaningful allocation you can get into a company which was just listed or listed in the last one year, uh, which is not part of the benchmark or not as high as uh, other companies as a part of benchmark? So you need this
2: allocation. A, yeah, yeah. Point taken on yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I don't think uh, so. Is the made is the uh, recently listed IPOs fund an anchor investor for Zomato? I don't remember seeing the name.
4: So it is public information while, you know, uh, we are bound by the disclosure norms of SEBI. But since it's a public information, uh, uh, it, it, the name was there in the uh, document which uh, said uh, about, you know, which gave a list of all funds which participated in Zomato. So, yes, this fund did participate in the anchor allocation for Zomato. How much was the amount applied for? So I don't know the exact amount, but uh, it, it was a, a meaningful amount as percentage to the fund. So we'll, we'll get the amount as a month and portfolios are disclosed, but yeah, it, it is a meaningful allocation as a percentage of the fund.
2: Okay. Fair enough.
4: So we fair haven't enough. gone yeah. overboard, but we haven't gone underweight also. We have taken a sizable, uh, you know, a decent sizable exposure. Okay. Uh,
2: so as a percentage of scheme assets, would you have a
4: rough idea? Uh, no, Neil, I don't have that idea. right. now. Okay. Fair enough.
2: Okay, so you have this fund um, which invests in recently listed IPO uh, companies which have gone for IPO. Yes. Um, but what do you make of some of these points that we discussed uh, earlier? The fact that employees have not used their quota. Um, what do you you know? What do you make of that? Uh,
4: I mean, while I cannot comment on a specific stock sorry, again. Minute, I, I missed I mean, one other question uh, which yeah. we were just
2: discussing which is no. a lot of people invest for listing gains. Yes. Is there a way to uh, know that there will be listing gains or not?
4: See, it's, it's a very difficult question. And as Rahul rightly put out, the exact answer is flipping a coin. And now what we have done in this fund is we actually ignore the listing day gains. If you look at the performance of this fund since last three, three and a half year almost, uh, barely four or five percent of the total returns have come through listing day gains almost ni- more than 96% of the total returns have come through post-listing gains. If I may throw some data, if you see the average listing day gains of all IPOs which were listed since 2017 is roughly around 30 34%. Uh, if you look at post-listing gains of all these IPOs uh, over the next one year uh, is close to again same 30-32%. So there is equal amount of returns which can be made post-listing. Now if you add the probability of one getting an allocation in listing this 32 percent return is a fictional return 30 percent or 32 percent return post listing gain is a real return it is not fictional because you can participate in it Uh, so people just look at listing day gains there are enough good businesses and we all know those names who have done wonderfully well even when they are listed at the peak of market when markets are tough uh, or people say earnings are you know, at their peak, but good companies continue to, you know, display good performance, whether they come uh, at the peak of market cycle, whatever is the listing day gains. We have enough examples okay. where the listing gains have been bad, but post-listing gains over one year have been good. So we sure. never thought about listing day gains. We look at post-listing day opportunities and that is what we try to capture. Listing day gain is a gamble, as Rahul rightly okay, said. Okay,
2: fair enough. And, uh- I've just opened up Value Research. I see that the Edelweiss Fund is up uh, 23.44% over the past three years, which is way mm-hmm. above the S&P BSE 500 at 15.17%. Although, to be frank, I don't get the intuition. I mean, why should companies which have listed recently do better? Let me bring in Rupali on this point.
5: Uh, sure. So, uh, Neil, you know, let's go back to uh, basic principles, right? Um, there are the current investors want to sell their uh, in you know their a part of their stake through ipos right so any investor who wants to sell would want to maximize value for themselves right which is also the reason why investment banks help these companies prepare for about a year to uh, you know and showcase them in a manner that it be, they become attractive to investors so that's that's point 1 so, effect, and the second point is, which is, which is at the crux of making returns is eventually, uh, your the growth that a company exhibits and the return that the company delivers will converge, right? So, the the the, the next point is, uh, when does that happen? Uh, you know, you you'll get a higher return if you buy cheap. You will get a lower return if you buy expensive. So, just the core definition of it that the promoter would want to maximize return uh would basically mean that you tend to leave slightly lesser money on the table right then why is why are we seeing uh you know what's happening is, the, is this is this is what used to happen for the longest time what is happening today what is happening today is uh you know also the fact that there are a lot of uh, private equity investors in india which also want an exit and uh, they have basically end dates so they are t- bringing these companies uh, growing them and you know, now they are they are at a uh, at a point where they can get listed, and if the growth of the company is good going forward, uh, there is potential of making returns. Uh, you know, it's it's like any other stock investment. The question is, the IPO price that you're going to get is that you know what does that leave for you on the table on the listing on on the pop on the listing gains. I think uh, Rahul could. I mean, nobody could can put it better than Rahul, right? It's it's like a flip of a coin. Uh, currently, the market is in a in, you know uptrending. There's momentum, and therefore, a series of IPOs will get that uh, listing day gains. But all of this can turn just on a, just like that. So you know, you need to be aware of the risk. It it is it is a uh, it it is just play money, like they said. So you know. I think if there if there is enough fundamental supporting the company in terms of growth, uh, and if the valuation of the, of the IPO day is uh, interesting enough, then then you know it's it's like not, it's like regular investing. The point that uh, Niranjan brought in is that you know what is really the chance of you getting that list or, or getting that IPO. That is you know so that really uh, in, in in a bull market we are seeing what is happening today um that's that's uh, that's a tough one it, you know you you, you uh, for most retail investors to get an, a- an allotment is difficult but uh net net in my opinion the the way you evaluate doesn't change just because it's an ipo or a post ipo okay um
2: i'll come back to that but uh, folks i have invited anish a little earlier than uh than i said i would open the room because uh, i'm very glad that he joined and in- I want to hear what he has to say on this point. So, Anish, uh, can you uh, make the point that you wanted to make?
0: Sure. So, yeah, it's a it's a tough one. Thanks, Neil, first of all, for inviting me up. I I know that you've not opened the room up yet, but uh, it's a it's a tricky one. I think most people uh, say that you know stay away from IPOs. And uh, currently, the way uh, IPO allotments and the whole investment process happens in India, retail. Investors usually don't get a sizable chunk, even if they want to get. So that's that's one point. The second point is: should you invest uh, in an IPO? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a again a very tricky one because an insider is selling or is raising money, and uh, and usually companies and uh, promoters will raise money at a time when it is favorable for them, and rightly so. Uh, so if uh, so. Uh, if it is a good company, if it if it is a company that you believe in, if you think the fundamentals are good enough, and uh, it's a long term story, like you know most of your panelists have uh, have said, I don't see any issue with uh, you know investing in the IPO and then adding on as the uh, you know as the years go by and as you evaluate the performance of the company, because uh, you know we all rem- we've been discussing this in the rooms over the last uh, couple of days that. Uh, how Reliance Power IPO marked the top of the market in 2008 and things like that. But uh, you know, I also remember uh, you know a company called Page Industries debuted uh, just three or four months before Reliance Power IPO. And if you had got it an IPO and if you bought it, you know, post that also, you would have gone on to make a lot of money uh, post uh, you know in the in the next 10 to 12 years. So, so yeah, if it's uh, you know. If it's a good company, if it's a good sector, if it is a good uh, management, go ahead and, you know, apply and then track the company and buy as the, as, you know, as, as the quarters go by. And as, if you feel that your conviction in the company grows, then definitely you should add a lot. Okay. Thanks.
2: Sure. Fair enough. But to come back to Rupali's point, um, when, you know, is the promoter leaving money on the table? Uh, the very fact that private equity investors who came in at an earlier stage, they are exiting, the smart money is exiting, one could say. Uh, isn't that a flashing red sign? In general, I'm not commenting on any specific IPO. Uh, um, Rupali, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, uh,
5: so, no, no. So just because they are exiting, that doesn't mean their belief in that business um, is uh, no longer there. Uh, you know, Private equity funds have a, have a defined predefined tenor, right? So if it's a 10-year fund, then they would want to, uh, you know, basically exit a company and deliver return to their investors. Um, but yes, they would like to maximize gains for their own investors, uh, but uh, the corollary is not true. Just because they are exiting, it doesn't mean that uh, the, the company's prospects are necessarily bad. That's That's not true always.
2: Okay. Does everyone agree with that? Any contrary opinion? That makes a lot of sense. Rahul, you had a contrary opinion?
1: No, no. I'm saying that makes a lot of sense uh, uh, what Rupali just said. Because a PE fund is not expected to get married to the stock. He's meant to exit. His job was to bring a company from level A to level B. They've done that. They need to cash out. They'll cash out partially or fully and just move on. So it's very different from a founder cashing out, right? So you'll have to put these in buckets and sort of evaluate differently, I would say. But the PE fund exiting, not a red flag. You mentioned about uh, pop-up, right? Uh, The the, the pop on the listing day, right? So a lot of companies uh, are now trying to avoid this uh, listing day pop by doing what is called a direct listing. Uh, If I recollect well, Google was one of the first companies to do direct listing at that scale. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, even Spotify was a direct listing. So a lot of people who are serious about the business and don't want to leave money on the table unnecessarily, right? Uh, They're doing direct listings. I don't know what the law in India is about direct listing. Maybe someone on the panel knows uh, more on that. But uh, that could be one way to avoid it. But, you know, that I guess digresses a little from the fact that should you invest in IPOs and uh, uh, how, you know, I would approach it uh is the default answer should be no and you need to find strong reasons to actually say yes to an ipo that may be quite a controversial statement at this point in time
0: yeah. so neil just uh, very quickly on the point you mentioned about private equity investors having been that on that side of the table for a fairly long time you know it's always a conundrum even for the private equity investor whether to sell in the ipo or not because uh it's tough to know how the market is going to be in the next couple of years. Uh, you know, will you get an exit or not? So, so And since like Rupali and Raul rightly mentioned, you know, uh, private equity funds come with a finite life. They have to return capital back to their LPs. So they do need to, you know, be prudent about it. And if they're getting an exit, they need to take it. But uh, just a, just a data point here, you know, uh, Loris Labs, where Warburg Pinkers was an investor, uh, they exited a fair bit of their investment in the IPO and uh, post IPO the stock went up uh, six times or seven times if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, it's not that the smart, it's not really an indication. It's not really a huge red flag if a private equity or a venture capital fund is exiting. And,
2: and uh, about the, how about
0: the second part of our statement that the founder exiting can be a red flag. Do you agree with that? Uh it again has to be taken into context, you know, if the founder is exiting and, and going below a certain threshold, uh, you know, then it then it may be uh, somewhat of an issue, but, you know, at, you know, founders also have to make money, they also have to, you know, de-risk themselves to, to some extent. If, you know, a founder is going from, say, 75% to 60 that's okay, you know, he's still in control of the company. He's, he may want to de-risk himself, he's taken a whole lot of risk, he's fully concentrated and all into, into a company. So so I think it, it depends on the context really and uh, that's how I, would, how I would view it. Yeah,
1: I agree with that. I agree with that. Really.
2: Okay, uh, let me, uh, sorry, I'm getting more question requests. We will open up in the second half. So very quickly, I think uh, in about 20 minutes or so, we'll open up to questions. Uh, let me finally complete the point, uh, that Rupali made, which is, you know, are the promoters, are the issuers leaving anything on the table? So I know historically in India, there used to be something called the controller of capital issues. Uh, back then getting an allotment was like getting a lottery. I believe if somebody, in the panel could uh, give us uh, some background on that, that would be great, but that's no longer the case with book building. So what are the incentives for the promoter? You know. Sh- is it a, just a question of how confident they are? You know, is it general that they do leave
3: something on the table? Does anybody want to take this up? Sure, Neil. So, so number one, uh, before, before SEBI, we had the CCI, Capital Control of Issues. And uh, to be mm-hmm. honest, being an IPO investor at that time was uh, an amazing opportunity, right? Because you got uh, a lot of MNCs at just face value. Uh, because you know, because CCI had mandated them to give it out at face value, so you had all these MMCs that were forced to do their IPOs, or else you you really don't uh, see the need for uh, multinational giants such as HUL and all that for needing that cash, right? Uh, number two, uh, leaving cash on the table for investors. I mean, uh, I mean it's a function of how the market perceive the IPO, right? I mean. For example, uh, chemical IP, uh, chemical and uh, pharma companies uh, are facing a lot of uh, advantages and a lot of positive, uh, what do you say? You know, a positive response from all the investors because uh, pharma companies have performed really well in the last one one and a half years. So you would see a lot of pharma and chemical companies lining up, and uh, you know, a, a lot of these companies have good client base, and uh, I mean. When you look at them, when you analyze them, of course, they do seem to be expensive, but again, they uh, give out a good premium listing, right? So uh, I feel that uh, for me personally, I feel that a lot of these uh, IPOs are, uh, you know, quite expensively priced. Uh, a lot of promoters are just cashing, up, cashing out on the bull run and uh, they're just getting a getting a listing done on the exchanges. And just wanted to add uh, one point to Rah- what Rahulji said on the direct listing so rahul ji we have one company listed uh, on the indian bourses it's called smc global securities which ha- which uh, which have the- which has done a direct listing so it got listed on 24th feb 2021
1: oh wonderful thanks for that i didn't know that direct listings were happening great thanks for thanks
3: yeah so i mean uh, direct listing did not get a lot of limelight in india and uh, so rahul ji I-, I have also followed the coinbase uh, the spotify and the coinbase direct listing very closely And I really feel that India can use a system like that because, you know, we see a lot of uh, what you say, a hotspot happening uh, regarding allotment, uh, the whole uh, investment banker thing. So uh, a direct listing really gives a company a much much leaner process and a much cleaner process, right? Uh, Wherein they don't have to really rely on uh, investment bankers and they just rely on the market forces. I mean, of course, it takes a lot of time uh, and a lot of uh, maturity is needed on the investor side to lap up the IPO. But yeah, I mean, definitely it is something that can be
4: used in the Indian markets. So Neil, just one point here on, you know, uh, why the promoter leaves uh, some return on the table. See, a lot of these companies who, which, which come for IPO are uh, generally come when there is a good earnings momentum in their businesses. And now uh, when promoter decides to sell, uh, even he doesn't know whether it is a peak of that cycle or or it is just started, or it is in the middle of the cycle. For most businesses, this momentum continues, at least for good businesses, and you know that is where uh, you know a lot of returns are made by the investor. Just to throw some data, we did another analysis. If you look at all IPOs in you know various sectors, we have taken four or five sectors as an example, uh, which came through from Jan 2018 till date. If you look at the IT index and what returns they have made in next one year. If you look at IT index, on an average it has given 9% returns and IPO stocks after their listing have given close to 37% returns. Now this is Apple to Apple comparison. All IPO stocks in the IT index, in the IT sector compared to IT index. If you look at IPO stocks in the pharma sector, uh, the next one year post their listing is close to 13% return. Pharma index on an average had given negative 7% returns. Uh, private banks again around
2: nineteen percent. About, I, see, it. I, I, yeah. I note the data, but what I'm yes. trying to follow is the intuition. Anish, yeah. do you have any uh, thoughts on why this might be?
0: Sorry, the question you were asking is whether promoters leave
2: any money on the table. Is that is no, that the no? The fact that uh, recently listed IPO companies have have done better than uh, the older counterparts, and that is. Uh, Partly indicated by the returns of the Edelweiss Fund. So, I don't get why that should be the case.
1: The infatuation with the idea of new.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's a fair point, Rahul. <laughs> that, that could be one reason. Yeah, so, so I, that could be one reason. But, you know, it's really hard to say with six months or one year of data, whether, you know, that's a trend that if you, if you've seen that over the years, then, yeah, if you, if you can see the rolling so the returns or something like
4: that. A little more than that, Niranjan? Yeah, we have completed see about the fund, Neil. I'll uh, give you some data points. Over the last, since 2018, since the time the fund has come, there were close to 50 IPOs and already almost 50-odd recently listed IPOs. Out of this 100 IPOs, or this universe, the fund invested only in uh, 30-odd stocks. And the churn ratio has been very less. Only one-third portfolio has changed. So I think a lot of Uh, you know, and various panelists today have alluded to this point. Uh, it is more about selecting the right business, and not all IPOs will reward you equally. Uh, if uh, out of 10 IPOs, if five have done well, there are equal number of IPOs which have done wrong or which have not done well. So, IPO investing is not okay, Uh, it definitely needs a lot of scrutinizing. Uh, the way you scrutinize existing listed companies, uh, in fact. Uh, IPO stocks need some more scrutinization so uh, it is not easy the fund has done well of course uh, it is basically due to selection and also more market momentum for these stocks have done sure. uh, you know sure. favor this uh, cycle. Sure.
0: Also Niranjan uh, out of your 30 stocks would there be something like say five stocks have delivered 80% of the returns, or some 20% of the stocks
4: something of that yeah, sort so. would See, broadly, you know, what we've done, Anish, in this is we don't take a very uh, large exposure. Uh, Our exposure at the time of buying maximum goes in between 3 to 4%. And if you look at the attribution, and it's there in the presentation, which is there on our website. uh, If you look at uh, the top 10 stocks, uh, they have contributed maybe, uh, you know, 30-40% of the overall return. So it is the entire tail because... Even the smallest stock, because it's a thirty-stock portfolio, even the last stock has, uh, you know, given some meaningful returns or added value. But yes, as it goes in any sh- portfolio management, the top ten would definitely have added more returns compared to the tail.
2: Okay, fair enough. Uh, now there's one question, and really it comes, it brings me back to my econ days, where when you apply for uh, an IPO. Um, usually if there's a lot of high demand and it's going to rise on listing day, you get a small allotment. So the gains don't mean much to you anyway. And if you apply for an IPO, which turns out to be a dud, then you get the full allotment that you applied for. Um, But then, I mean, the price sinks on on listing day. So this is about the listing pop. I'm kind of taking it back to that. Uh, Rupali, do you want to answer that?
5: Yeah, so um, so broadly true, uh, not strictly true, I would say. Um, there are uh, there are examples of people not understanding what the really the business is. You know, earlier somebody in the panel alluded to a lot of new things, right? And which is true, uh, even if you look at the current uh, cycle. You know, you've had Nazara, which is a gaming company with no uh, peer, really no listed peer. Or you've had IRCTC or you had CAMS, you have had SBI cars, you have CDSL. So a lot of these business models are... Really don't have uh, uh, you know peers in India. They're monopo- I mean, they don't have peers in India, and therefore, it's very hard to discern um, you know the business model, the strength, or or the valuation for it. More importantly, the valuation, right? Even if you uh, even if you take a very broad uh, thumb of you know a, a broad stroke uh, analysis, saying whether the Nazara will do well or whether an IRCTC will do well and therefore uh, there are enough number of times where people don't understand what is the underlying or the sentiment is not great on the market anyways and uh, you land up getting a pretty decent listing and, and then then there is a you know eventually you make a, a reasonably good return or a, or a fairly good return i would say and uh, similarly i think uh, you know if you if you ask a very very average retail investor about zomato um, it's a it's there is a very high sense of relatability because they're probably users of Zomato, but uh, from a from how to value a business like that, I'm not sure a lot of people really are able to discern. And then they're purely going by the fact that recent IPOs have made money, so yeah. we should invest in this as well. And and uh, and for allotment, there are always uh, options of leveraging and uh, putting money and you know. Uh, to get uh, subscription. So, yeah. No, yeah, so it's not like we, we're not endorsing it, but I'm saying that there, is, there, there are those options.
2: Yeah. Um, no, that in fact um, brings me to my next question, uh, which is that is there enough information available um, about IPOs? Is there information asymmetry? Oh, yeah. Is it better to just wait for the stock to be listed and traded and then invest?
5: No, actually, uh, Neil. If you look at the DRHP, uh, you know, uh, filings, it's uh, you know, just today, uh, you know, somebody I sent the PTM to commented saying, "300 pages. Uh, you may as well just give me one word summary of it. Should I apply? Should I not apply? Right? So, I don't think in today's time and age, there is dearth of information. Uh, there is uh, there is challenges on um, discerning ability. I would say. And then valuation is an art, there is no science there. So,
0: then, yeah, so I was just going to say, you know, uh, you may, I, I don't think there is information asymmetry or anything of that sort, but like, you know, just quoting uh, scenes here. So, you he said the stock market is like a you know beauty contest, if you're not picking out the most beautiful person, you're know, judging a beauty contest. You're thinking what the judge is, who the judge is going to pick and not who you think is the most beautiful. So it's like, how is the stock market going to perceive the stock? That is something which nobody will know until the stock is listed and, uh, and, you know, until the stock list and you see how the stock market reacts to it, how institutional investors, how, how the retail investors, how mutual funds react to it. So it's, uh, information asymmetry is not a problem. How, how the stock market is going to react to that information, that is something which is unknown. Very well. In
5: a yeah. In fact, Anil, to add to what he's saying. Look, uh, whatever information is available on PTM today, uh, five days after listing that information isn't going to change. We, what additional information can you no, have? No, on the so I mean, um,
2: the fact that information is better built into the price after listing than before. Uh, uh-huh. because- oh, that way.
5: Yeah, well, we've had uh, cases like DMAT, where, you know, uh, you never got the IPO price, almost. And uh, you've had cases like CAMS, uh, you know, uh, people took time to warm up. Uh, It did did list at a premium, I must say, but not at the premium people expected, Uh, didn't get the listing gains people expected. But uh, you know it, it took time for people to understand the story and uh, and, and today uh, it's a, you know it's a sought after name in, in institutional
2: portfolios as well as uh, uh, several individual portfolios as well. Okay, fair enough. Let me get one more view on this question that should one apply for an IPO stock at the time of IPO or just wait for the market to digest the information, price it accurately, and then buy it, Uh, after it's listed, and then we will open up for questions. Rahul, do you want to take that one? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I think if you understand the company,
1: if you've done your numbers, and if you have a price band, which makes sense to you, uh, and if the IPO is at that price, go ahead and apply. If the IPO is not at that price, don't apply and wait for it to list and see if you get an entry opportunity. Uh, I... uh, uh, you know, uh, IPOs are a, a, a vehicle. They're a means to an end, right? Ultimately, you have an asset allocation in which equities is a portion and you have a choice of stocks to invest in. And you have your whole process that you're you know, following to pick the right stocks. If the IPO fits into that, great. If it doesn't fit into that, you let it go. Or again, I come back to the first point I made that... You know, a lot of people I meet, you know, they have free time, yeah. So they keep some play money to punt, right? Five percent, ten percent of their portfolio. If it's part of that, then none of this makes sense because you're not going to get a. I, I guess if you're going to get a pop, it's going to be on the listing day. So you might as well apply. But for a sensible investor talking about sacred money, you know, I do the numbers. If it's if it matches your, you know, band, invest. If it doesn't, you wait. Okay. Uh, yeah, this sure, this whole sure. I, I guess the word over here, Neil, is to use the famous word of FOMO. <laughs> a lot of people think they'll miss it out. It never happens. It, it uh, I shouldn't say never. Uh it it
2: often doesn't happen the way people think it will. That if they miss sure. it, it will okay. go away forever. Okay, folks, uh so we're opening up for questions now. Uh we'll admit two people at a time. Uh please raise your hands and Abhinav will uh approve your requests. While people are doing that, while Abhinav is admitting, let me. Um, something occurred to me, Rahul, while you were mentioning uh, that people you know, do have time to study and so on. I'm assuming they would be HNIs or very savvy investors. Um, so, uh, Rupali, one thing, one interesting trend among HNIs is to get these private shares before the company gets public. Uh, and that's something that wealth management firms enable is that a savvy thing to do
5: so um, okay so yes so you're right there is a there is a lot of interest from the hnis for uh, pre ipo or uh, slightly early basically private market investing and uh, there again uh, eventually uh, need, so finally what you're buying is a company you're buying it at a price and uh, you, you have expectations of certain growth and that growth is expected uh, to generate return, right? That does, that basic principle doesn't go away whether you're buying in IPO, post IPO, pre IPO much earlier. The advantage uh, of doing this earlier is price discovery is not very fluid and therefore if you can, if you can actually, uh, you know, uh, uh, get y- y- there in, in markets like these, Uh, in private markets, you tend to get better valuation uh, than you get in public markets, right? Because there isn't such exuberance there. Uh, And and all of this I'm I'm saying on a relative scale, not on an absolute scale at all.
6: Yeah, just maybe to add to Niranjan, there is a pre-market IPO process where the exchange kind of uh, puts the data out in terms of aggregated supply and demand that kind of determines the uh, first day trading uh, price yeah the initial we get very we get very fixated about <laughs> with, uh, the traded mm-hmm. price it usually doesn't make a huge difference <laughs> and the, the stock kinds of goes up and down quite volatilely on the day one right so it's, mm-hmm. i don't know why people worry about what is the price at which it starts of course sometimes sentiments driven markets it uh, depends on how it gets uh, you know traded and these things also can be kind of at some level managed but uh, honestly it doesn't matter uh, what price at which it got listed what it matters is obviously is, is there a listing gain when you actually take out or not
3: great uh, I hope that answers your question Manu. Uh fantastic with that uh,
2: let me invite uh, closing comments from the panel um, broadly speaking you know what are the one or two things that investors should keep in mind while investing in IPOs Aditya can we start with you
3: uh sure. Uh I would say the valuations and the risks. Okay,
2: very succinct, but how do you how do you determine that? If
3: you could yeah. So sure, yeah. So uh, number one valuations, you can of course do a absolute valuation or relative valuation, right? Uh, I mean so the nature of IPOs is such that uh, they usually come out during the during the during the market peaks or when the sector is in is an, in an upturn. So, for example, we see now that a lot of platform companies, new age companies are coming up. A lot of pharma chemical companies are coming up. So, in that, in that, in such a scenario, what you can do is you can do a peer comparison and see what is the kind of valuation the or specific companies demanding in their IPO. Right? Uh, the, the the number two risks, of course, you can uh, read about them from the DRHP document. And uh, so, I, I'm an avid reader of uh, IPO DRHPs because they teach you a lot. Uh, they tell you everything about the company. And I feel when you, I mean, of course.
2: Yeah. I mean, normally these are like 100-200 pages, right? I mean, they're a little yeah.
3: intimidating. Exactly. So there are a few few sections that you must uh, focus on in the DRHP. Uh, of course, it starts, it starts with risks. Uh, it uh, then tells you about the business. It tells you about the financials, uh, valuations. Uh, and that's about it. I mean, there are just four or five sections uh, that you should read. Now, now of course, you know, uh, DRHP documents are quite intimidating. Uh, some of them are 500-600 pages long. But if you just focus on a few sections and then uh, when the need arises, you can delve deeper. Or else I, I would believe they are just like uh, 60 to 100 pages. I mean, you can just skim read it and then if many want more details, you can uh, read it in depth.
2: Okay. So just to summarize, compare with peers and number two, look at uh, certain important parts of the uh, red herring prospectus. So um, the financials and the risk factors, right? Definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay, Rupali, can I come to you now?
5: Sure. Um, so most of us, uh, most retail investors, don't tend to read DRHP or, or, or uh, you know, may not understand entirely what the business model is. Most excitement is around listing gains. So if you call your broker and you, if you ask him, you know, what do you think? What does he think of a particular IPO? He's likely to tell you what, I, what is you know what is the sentiment around the listing gains. Stop there, ask him what does he think about what 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 will the price be a year down the line. There is no scientific way of determining that. It's impossible. But instead, when you ask that question, it's in all probabilities he or she is likely to tell you about how the company is likely to grow, what are the prospects glean that that is more important than actually the number that he is giving because nobody knows what the number is going to be a year or two years down the line but understand from that conversation what are the prospects of the company and what is and then decide whether you really want to hold that company for a while and remember if you're buying for listing gains effectively you're saying that i'm betting on the sentiment of the market from the time i apply to the time i get allotment and to the time it gets listed that's the that's the play Okay. So that's my two okay. bits
2: on this. Okay. So essentially, look at um, what the broker or analyst is saying, Advice but not so at, much yeah. the numbers because there's so much uncertainty.
5: Absolutely. And
2: uh, if you are applying for listing gains, then you know you have to be clear on that that it's about sentiment. Absolutely. Um, great. Thank you, Rahul.
4: Yeah.
1: So uh, my first point would be that recognize that. Uh, there are many paths to financial success and IPOs may or may not be one of them, right? So the first thing to look at while investing in an IPO is, I think you need to ask yourself whether you really need to do it, right? I think that's a que- that's a very pertinent question. Remember what Warren Buffett has said time and again, there's an asymmetry of information. The person selling the shares knows more than you ever will. So you need to be careful. That's what number one. So think about that. The other thing is that if you must do IPOs, then, you know, it again falls into the two buckets, which I have mentioned. If it's play money, go ahead and punt, right? You'll make money. You will lose money. Hopefully it won't change your lifestyle. But if you are really serious about, you know, getting into a good company, do your research, find the price band, which makes financial sense. And uh, if it's in that price band, go ahead and invest. If not, wait. Uh, don't get, don't fall into that. What now people call f- the FOMO trap, if you will. Uh, let it right. go.
2: Yeah, right.
1: No, absolutely. That's, that's, that's my take. Huh? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um. Basically, go one step deeper, and you know, understand why you want to invest in the IPO. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh.
4: Great. Uh. Nirenjan? Yeah. Sure. The IPO. Uh. You know, to me is a, is a very great uh opportunity. Uh, for new businesses coming into Indian market over the next few years we'll see n number of businesses which you know we have never seen in Indian market getting listed. so it's a great place to find these businesses but don't buy them for listing gains one uh, don't buy them because of fomo don't buy because your friend did a good research on it and you know everyone is buying. Uh, if you like that business uh, approach it like any other business and not as an IPO. Uh, and then buy it and uh, if you don't understand it better to stay away uh, and you know put put your hands on on a, on a good mutual fund uh, which can buy this uh, these stocks in their portfolio if they are good enough
2: okay fair enough uh, so don't buy for the wrong reasons like FOMO and invest uh, you can also invest through a mutual fund uh, of course for disclaimer Edelweiss has a mutual fund uh, which invests and- in. Uh, Most importantly, don't buy for listing gains. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, Srini, any closing comments?
6: Yeah, I I don't think I have anything very different from what others have said. The only thing I can say is uh, buy an IPO like you buy any other stock. right? The amount of work that you do to buy a stock, you have to do the same work when you buy an IPO, which also means you're not buying for listing gains. You're buying for something that is going to be part of your portfolio. Uh, two, I think one of the things that people tend to kind of miss out is not just the business and the depth of business. It's also about the the process of allotment, the demand that's there, the institutional investors backing it, the you know all of that stuff. Also, sometimes matter in terms of what you get. And if you have a very low retail quota, obviously the probability of allotment and your time is sometimes wasted.
2: Thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week with a fresh episode. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach out to me at neil.b at livemint.com. To give us feedback, you can reach out to us also on HT Smartcast. We are present on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Clubhouse. To listen to more podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com, aur suno naye nazariye se
1: this was a mint production brought to you by
4: hd smartcast,
0: HD smartcast.